is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon. Join my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we have got the Tottenham match review. Uh, the last Premier League match for a little bit. We've got FA Cup and then Club World Cup. So uh, good to uh, kind of seal off this break with a win. Nick, what is this, four times in a month? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it, this... Uh... Yeah, I think the TF for this match is really important because I kind of was apathetic heading into a Chelsea Spurs match. I mean, the vibes have been off. The team performance has been off. A lot of stuff outside of the the playing part of it that haven't made life a hell of a lot of fun uh, over the last six, eight weeks. And, you know, it, it was... Uh, I think it was a crucial time for the team to get their shit together and put up real performance in. And you know, you heard before this match that uh, Aspi had you know kind of sat everyone down and you know tried to have an airing of the grievances, Festivus style. Um, and maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. But I mean, I think the energy and the enthusiasm was was broadly there today. And and then you know you kind of couple that with you know, the fact that there is light at the end of this absurd tunnel from a fixture perspective. And I'm sure it kind of feels like they're heading on spring break for a little bit, which, you know, hopefully lifts some spirits. So, you know, who knows? But I mean, I think you you couldn't be faulted if you headed into this match feeling a little weird about it. You know, I mean, it was, you know, we had a rough last couple of weeks, honestly. It probably extends longer in the last couple of weeks, you know, but uh, yeah, we we've had a lot of different uh, theories and things and, you know, going into it, we just knew we weren't at 100 percent, you know, going in against the Spurs team who thankfully weren't at 100 percent either and just clearly uh, levels below us, which is great. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about is how the changes in shape, but Spurs, well, they're still shit. And then obviously Ziesh minting a new NFT. I will quote back to that tweet from. Uh, a few years ago. And then Sar Silva and the Stout Defense. Mm. So uh, plenty of good things to talk about, which we love uh, after Spurs match. So Dan, run us through the three-year match review. Give us a taste of where everyone's at, hot, cold, or in between. Uh, Everybody was hot today. And Fuego was the theme of these three-year match reviews. Gabriel, get it started with the Ziesh's Zesty Zip Tie. (laughs) <laughs> Robert with the rest really matters. Grizz with the four over Spurs. Highlighting the fact that we won all four games against Spurs this season, which is chef's kiss. Mm. Delicious. Uh, Glenn with the old flames extinguished. <laughs> Jay with the Q contrite Conte. And boy, he was, oof, he looked like a man who just got off of like a, a, a long stint in prison after this match in the post-match press conference. Tana with the home win. Finally. Ultra Ernie with the Majestic Moroccan Magic. Love the alliteration on this show. Ryan with the Silva Stymie Spurs. Again, alliteration. And then Jake, Mr. Thurman. Why not us? Stop it. Stop it. You're done. No. Bam! You're- no. That's a one-week ban. Sorry. Oh, Why good, not good us? Good thing we don't play a match for two weeks. <laughs> Why not? Hey, wait, hey, Plymouth Argyle are real team, Dan. They're not just the pattern of the sweaters <laughs> yeah. you bought this weekend. Yeah, Dan. 
Just Anyways, I put age like Silva, life goals. I tell you what. No uh, shit. He can have Jeez. silver hair like Cisco, or he can have it all natural. It don't matter. The dude bangs him in against Tottenham. Absolutely loving it. Uh, Nick, what about you? 8-0 aggregate. We played him four times. We beat him 8-0. If it were a title fight, it would have been a first-round knockout. We're better than they are. Dan? Oh, I took mine from Ziesh's post-match interview, which was delightful because not only did he talk about Spurs being just absolutely abject, which, again, wonderful, but he was asked to humbly rate his goal, and he said 10 out of 10. <laughs> he, was, uh, he wasn't he was asked to humbly rate. The guy was like, don't be humble because he was kind of like sheepish a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was still great. I, I loved it. Uh, there, there was a mood. Vibes FC back. It's great. Wonderful. Damn. Yeah, I think uh, even a lot of Spurs supporters uh, not upset with that. Maybe the lack of defending leading up to it, but uh, the execution, hard to argue with. Um, we have some Apple Podcast reviews. So obviously, we want to shout out, and Spotify is continuing to grow the road to 500, Dan. Uh, go from strength to strength here. People are giving us some support, and we got to shout out the love. Yeah, Yella Elk from the U.S., also a member of our Patreon community with wonderful five-star review, along with The Virus with fives and threes. So very elite uh, in his uh, or her or their five uh, Apple Podcast five-star review. And then Spotify, almost as you said, Brandon, at 500 reviews, 482. So we are getting very, very dangerously close to hitting the 500 mark there. So if you haven't left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you should do that now while you're listening to us. Just absolutely go in uh, like Doherty on the back of Sar's ankle on Tottenham. Oof. Bing bong. Five-star right. review. That's how it goes. All right. Well, let's jump into it. It was Tottenham this past Sunday, the 23rd of January, in the Premier League at Sanford Bridge. In case you somehow missed it, scoreline Chelsea 2, Spurs nil. Goals from Hakim Ziyech in the 47th minute and Thiago Silva in the 55th minute. So going to go ahead and throw it over to friends at the fifth stand, the only official FC, Chelsea FC app. Uh, we thank them. They let us use these highlights, and we think it's a great way to relive the ups, and we ignore it when it's down. So enjoy <laughs> it when it's fun. Here we go. Chelsea looking to make a fast start here. No ball into the box, seeking Lukaku, who lifts it over the top. First clear sight of goal for Chelsea, and it came after just 44 seconds. Mason Mount inside the area, back now with Lukaku. Now Ziyech. Towards the back post, seeking Hudson-Odoi. It's another chance for Chelsea. But Callum Hudson-Odoi just unable there to test Hugo Lloris. Now Winks, who surges towards the Chelsea goal. Plenty of time on the edge of the area. Having to dig in here to see out this first half. Corner comes in, plenty of Chelsea players underneath it. The header over the top. Again, it's another good header. Tottenham now played seven halves of football against Chelsea this season and they haven't scored against them. And Hudson Adoy, purposeful run. Ziesch, can he work it onto that left foot? Going for the far yeah. corner! It is a wonderful goal from Hakim Ziesch. And they're on the front foot yet again. Ziesch, not too far from where he worked his magic just a few moments ago. As Pilaqueta mount. Why is it goalwards? It's back to Ziyech. Can he oh. do it again? Beaten away by Hugo Lloris. Worrying moments for Tottenham here as Mason Mount whips it in. It's a great yeah. delivery! And 
Thiago Silva makes it to two goals in the opening ten minutes of this second half. And Chelsea are starting to look very good here this afternoon. Coutinho looks at his watch. They won't be doing it here today. Chelsea beat Tottenham. Chelsea 2, Tottenham Hotspur 0. All right, Dan. Take us through the lineup. Let's see how we lined up before we smashed said Spurs. 4-1. 4-1. All right. We just keep on playing. Lineup, formation, Palooza, Thomas Tuchel throwing us all for one. Kepa Aretha Blaga between the sticks. It was Saar, Rudiger, Silva, and Azpilicueta as the back four. Jorginho Kovacic, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, and Hakim Ziyech as that uh, amorphous one-slash-four. Uh, that really Jorginho back as the, uh, the deeper player in that. And then Romelu Lukaku at the very front of the lineup. It was Bettinelli, Trev Chalaba making the bench. Wonderful to see. Mm. Ross Barkley, Christian Pulisic, Kyle, uh, Kai Havertz, and Timo Werner. Unused substitutes. Marcus Alonso, N'Golo Conte, and Sal. All made an appearance off the bench. Mm. Full bench. You know, I just want to point that out. Love seeing a full bench. Uh, we haven't always seen that in the last few handful of weeks, so uh, good to see. Full bench with a single goalkeeper. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, I'll give you that. And not three left backs uh, from the academy. Uh, some of the top line stats, Chelsea was 65.5% possession on the day. We had 15 shots, seven on target, to, and limiting Spurs to six shots, only three on target. Big save from Kepa at the end there. Uh, dominated on touches, uh, dominated on passes. We had 14 tackles apiece. We had 12 clearances. Spurs, on the other hand, had 26 clearances. Busy day for them. We had 10 corners Battered. to their three. Exactly. No offsides to their one. Uh, two yellow cards to their one, which that's the one you could probably question pretty mm. significantly. Uh, mm. But we did concede 17 fouls to their 14. Thank you, Harry Kane, with the push in the back. Uh, at XG from at Kaylee underscore graphics says the rough XG is 1.1 to Chelsea 2.4 for Spurs. All right. So having one of the best strikers in the world, they seem to come up with jack shit on the day, which is great because we've been leaking goals a little bit lately, Nick. We've talked about that as a, as a big problem to see the, uh, the defense play with a lot of energy um, was, was good to see. Cause again, we just haven't had that since we went on that big shutout run earlier in this season. I mean, like I, I know we'll talk about the defense coming up, but like outside of that Harry Kane chance, I mean, you're looking at this chart. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot there. And, yeah, I mean, I think the clean sheet was a huge, huge step forward for this club. I mean, that that was what we made a lot of our you know, success on last year was just giving nothing up, you know, and, and occasionally hitting on the, on the counter for a goal or something like that. But that, to me, is is a massive, massive step forward for the team. I should be really happy about that. And then one random stat from Adopt to Joe, 501. Chelsea have earned 501 points from their 272 London Derby matches in the Premier League, making them the first side to reach 500 points in such fixtures in the history of the competition. Capital. I mean, look, when you name London a podcast, is blue. <laughs> look, it's easy when the team backs it up. I mean, yeah. Arsenal, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Tottenham, whoever you want to throw in there now, Brentford, Fulham, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Like and these are a lot of teams that you know we would have racked points QBR. up against. It's a it's not even close. So love that. And then we have an MPET shit house moment of the match again. We have a couple. Yeah, we're this was a fun one. So there was a lot that happened. Lots of tweets. Lots of a lot of stuff. But I will say, Nick, is this Olympic themed? Because there's like a, a gold, uh, gold, silver, bronze. 
Uh, I think it's just, you know, two very good uh, moments. I, I have no uh, really interest in the Winter Olympics. Sorry to all those who love it. Uh, look, Saar, uh, at the end of the match, lets the ball run kind of just slowly towards the towards the byline. There's uh, a Spurs player who's already offside, who if he goes and touches it, is way for offside. Sar just lets him come and take it and gets flagged for offside immediately. And the crowd went nuts. Like, it was so funny. And I was like, look, man, it, you know, he hasn't had an outstanding year by any means, but he's really stepped up and I'm proud of him. And he's adopting some of the, the ways of, of our friend Rudiger. Rudiger uh, had quite the interesting day, <laughs> uh, which is my second one. I think of of all the things that I'll get into, and obviously we'll talk about the all the you know fan throwing stuff on the field stuff, which is just like absurd. But Tierney multiple times on set pieces had to bring Antonio Rudiger over and try and talk to him. And at one point, you can hear him or you could see him mouth to Rudiger, "Do you want a yellow card?" Like like Rudiger scared of that. Like the cat is out of the bag, dude. Okay, uh, that cat has never lived in a bag. He is certainly not going to be in a bag for you, Paul Tierney. So uh, lots of shithouse moments, and I'm really proud of the entire team for stepping it up against the big rival. Uh, all right. Uh, plenty, as you can hear uh, Nick alluding to there, that we have to dig in. So uh, we will do just that thing. Um, we also have some XBs from Joe Tweeds, right? Expected bodies, Dan, which is great that we got some write-ins from the man himself on this one. Well, I did ask and answered. He gave Mason a solid 3.0 for the ice hockey style check uh, into the boards. Uh, you know, look, it, the check will happen inbounds. Look, that was a very clean hit, and clean. Uh, he just put a little sauce on it. Just establishing what was the barrier that Tierney was going to establish for the game. So, can, good, can good, I good can I just that. say I think I think Joe's underrated that unless it's on a scale of three, that was an outstanding. A bit of business that Mason did there. And certainly if he's on a five scale, it's a four or five for me. So I just screwed Joe. And then he also gave uh, Lukaku a shout for some of the bowling ball stuff. Give him a 1.0 XB. Uh, it would have been nice to uh, also add a goal into that. But uh, nah. yeah, there, I think I think everybody collected a little bit of uh, XB rating today. There was some good, good tackles, good challenges, and uh, a couple, couple upends too, which is nice. Absolutely. Uh, it was good to beat them uh, on skill and uh, physically on the pitch, which was a comprehensive uh, KO. So anyways, we're going to take our ad break, uh, get this out of the way. Thank you to the sponsors for supporting the show uh, financially, and we'll be right back. All right. No names to shout out for Patreon, so I'll make my shameless plug again. Come sign up. Come join us. Uh, doing more and more stuff there, but the biggest draw is obviously the Discord community. I spent the entire match there today, uh, and I can tell you it was fun. Um, it was good. Uh, Mr. Stick got picked on a little bit, but you know how that goes. It's just, you know, death taxes beating Spurs. That, that's how it is. Uh, we have more pods, though, coming up this week, Dan. Obviously, uh, we're not one and done. That, that's not us. No, we have uh, the Chelsea women match recap, a little bit of a underwhelming draw uh, this weekend, but I'm sure we'll find a way to pull some positives out of the air. Tinkerman with the part two of the special, which was extremely well-received about uh, some of the run of form. And then our final Matt Law update of the window, not of the season, but just of the transfer window before deadline day. Let's get him in one last time. 
to see what might happen for Chelsea. We might even ask for the fourth week in a row if he has an update on Andreas Christensen and Antonio, Antonio Rudiger. Stay tuned. No, hashtag no spoilers. Will we ask the question? <laughs> Shock. All right. So the first thing we want to jump into is the fact that we changed shape and that Spurs are still shit, which is great. So Tuchel making changes doesn't change the fact that our London rivals are bad. They are so, so bad. But Today, we played a 4-1-4-1 according to Tuchel himself. Uh, had two number eights uh, trying to overload and overlap on the right side of the attack is where I think we really focused it. I was talking about that in Discord as well. It seemed like anytime we got the ball, uh, Jorginho, Kovacic, whoever had the ball, Silva, were looking for Ziyech and Mount out on the right wing with Aspie in support. So um, it it was very different, I think, today. Uh, and, and talking about getting rhythms and trying to find... Um, fluidity between the team. They seem to pick up on it pretty well, well Dan. Um, I think Tuke even talked specifically about trying to get the best out of Hakim Ziyech. Um, and, and he did that, putting him on the right wing. Well, you saw that Sessegnon and uh, who was on the uh, left side? Uh, Davies had zero answers. No. Zero answers for... Ziyech and Mount and the way that they overlap the way that they combine I mean with, with Ziyech being able to drop back into more of a winger role and getting to play out wide getting to kind of cut back in really favored him and I think it was also shocking to see that Conte went to a back four as well like this is the game that you probably could have penciled in a lineup at some point earlier in the season like oh back three versus back three you know battle of the uh the similar ideologies and it almost felt like the way Nick Brighton played us with like the way that like Lamptey was running down the right-hand side and basically just finding obscene amounts of joy was the way that Mason felt and Ziyech felt because they they just basically got to run the show for 90 minutes. I mean, it's why, you know, Sessegnon was kind of pulled, I think, early from Conte because he just had to try something different there because the way Tuchel set us up to really overload that right-hand side and then create a couple opportunities for Kovacic and Callum later in the game on the left was really magical. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very clear that that was the game plan. I mean, if we can see it, and I'm sure Antonio Conte saw it up close and personal, Mason had a ton of energy today. I mean, like normal Mason energy. Uh, Ziyech. So clearly. Yeah. Well, I mean, Brandon finally shaved, which is best for everybody. Um, I think Ziyech and Mason did a good job of not uh, getting in their like in each other's way. I think we've seen some of that this season in, in overlap situations where it's just like as P. Reese James and Mason or whatever they're they're in too tight of a space to do anything productive with the ball, and I think that they kept their distance, they kept the space moving well, and. Uh, you know, it really did. I mean, Davies is not a good defender. Uh, you know, Sessegnon's more of a wing back than he is a, a real, you know, kind of threat at left back. But I mean, this was a tailor made attack. You had the the craft of of Ziyech, and obviously, you know, we'll talk about the goal in a minute. And you had the industrious uh, work ethic of Mason Mount blowing by him. You know, at will. It was it was really impressive, and then. You know, obviously what that does for the rest of the team uh, is you see uh, you see spaces open up on the other side, right? So Cal's able to get the ball in a ton of space when they switch. 
Lukaku had the ball targeted at him earlier, which was great. You know, and it just it just felt a little bit more free, Dan. I don't know if you felt like that, but it just it wasn't so uh, pattern based in terms of passing. Like we see our back three rotate around, rotate back, go up, go middle. Like it's it wasn't it was a little bit more unpredictable, which I think was good. I think what was nice is that because you had Mason, Callum, Kovacic all pushing forward Jorginho actually got a ton of time and one of the things we know is even though Jorginho probably didn't have his best outing you give that man time like he can pull off some stuff occasionally he can kind of dictate play he could be available to distribute in a way and manner and he got forward actually a couple of times some progressive positions too I, I think in general it's, 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 it's terrible too like I I I, I don't want to say, like, we fixed all of our problems, but I think Brandon getting to go against a terrible side three times in a month has been, like, the biggest, like, general blessing for Tuchel is that we played a side that really has not looked up to play any of these matches. Even, and I think on the same day also had some performances that we've been looking for a long time after a couple days rest. Shock. Yeah, we talked about a little bit before the pod, too. It's, it's to keep it... A little bit in perspective, obviously not downplay, but like to your point, we needed Spurs. This was a great time to play Spurs before the FA Cup, where it'll probably be heavily rotated, and then the Club World Cup, right? Uh, Tuchel was able to give the guys a couple days off last week and a couple days off this week uh, before the match. We already knew that. Um, and we just, you know, we're able to beat up on a team that's low on confidence, uh, that's a rival that we have you know, a really strong track record in very recent weeks uh, of beating and beating quite handily, as Nick pointed out, the 8 nothing aggregate. And, you know, I think that that was part of it for us. It's like you need a team to beat the shit out of. We couldn't have Norwich. So you're like, you know what? We'll take Spurs right now because they're in a bad spot uh, within their team. And the manager has no confidence in their players. And um, that obviously translated to the field. That wasn't the narrative on NBC, though. I mean, uh, like, unfortunately, this morning, I mean, like, it was, it was kind of just been shocking lately. Like, I I was just, I was kind of surprised. Like, I was already kind of feeling a little whatever about the game, but it it was, wow, Spurs are going to come in and do the business and and close this gap and finish above Chelsea in the top four and all this other like stuff. And I was just like, what have you guys want? Like, did you completely ignore the last two games that we played against them, which were we walked them? I mean, it was. I, it, it was a little surprising, and like I just don't think that they're a good matchup for us. I, I don't think they have the the players to threaten us. I mean, Harry Kane's had less than eight shots on target in four matches against us this season. I mean, like I don't know. Like if he's not scoring, who else is scoring for them? Like it doesn't make sense. I know you're not the math guy, Nick, but uh, that sounds bad. That sounds like a bad number. <laughs> You know, yeah, I've it, never liked it. Yeah. It's the same never. thing, you know. Even Arlo and Combs, you know, and we like Arlo, but it's just like, oh, it's it's Bergwin time. Here we go, stoppage. Like they're still like rooting for for Tottenham to, to yeah. get back in it, and it's just like, how about how about you talk about how we've suffocated them all match? Our back four have been imperious, minus the caution in Silva in the first half. Like our defense, which we'll talk about later, um, offered them nothing today it, it's what i hate about this time of the year in the Premier League, especially over the last five years where it's been pretty clear that there's you know a favorite to the title or a favorite for the top four is like there's a sense that you have to drum up uh a, like a fake 
top four race or a fake title race. It's like it's the miraculous guys, story. It's the miracle that will never happen. But if guys, we talk about it, I, I know. And like I get they're incentivized because they want more eyeballs and like they, you know, they just paid a bunch of money to renew with the Premier League or whatever. But like City are going to win the league by 10 or 15 points this year. That's what's going to happen. I know that no one wants to hear that. And I know it doesn't make good TV. They're just going to win the league by 10 or 15 points. It'll be really comfortable. The top four may be a little bit more competitive, but you know, if Chelsea go through this March run like we've talked about uh, up to this point and are able to put some distance, then it's really only the fourth spot that's going to be up for debate. And then it's not really as exciting as it has been the last few years where those third and sport, fourth spots have been available. So it's just like, be realistic with people. Like, you don't, we're not kids on Christmas. Like, just, Tell us what's real and what's not. And Chelsea suffocated them today. I mean, Bergwijn did one or two good things, but otherwise it was kind of not really there. I mean, that's what it was. And I agree with you on that. Brandon. He was he was there more to be a shit stir, honestly, than anything else. So I, uh, I like that about him. Like I like the cut of his jib a little bit, honestly. Like we could we could use one of those, but he also doesn't score, so we don't need one of those. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, Dan. So there's uh you know some stuff going on here about Ziesh. Uh you you even being a, heard an him? edgy young kid yourself talking about minting a new NFT hashtag print it. Um and that's obviously in reference to the tweet that Mr. Dan put out uh somewhat recently when we were all down on Ziesh. Yeah, I'm not sure who uh, this Dan is. Uh, it is clearly not me, at least based upon the photos. Um, they're also verified on Twitter. I'm not. So uh, they, they tweeted that Chelsea paid $40 million for this NFT. It was the 2019 cross in the match for Ajax in the Champions League, which was uh, quite delightful. It was uh, absolutely wondrous pass. And uh, actually, I think I tweeted much earlier, like, it'd be great if this was the day that Ziyech decided to mint a goal as a new nft and uh he did it it was great it was uh it was wonderful to see i mean he froze Loris in place just with the the best view in the house of the goal going in which was quite fantastic again rated it a 10 out of 10 i i mean just maybe holistically though pulling it back yes the goal was magnificent but maybe maybe his best performance in a shirt in his time at Chelsea, not just for how he contributed to the attack, but he was getting stuck in on some tackles. He was getting trying recoveries like, like, well, I, I mean, we'll go to the stats in a second here, but like, this was a comprehensive performance yeah. from him, Nick, and not just a, Oh, he scored, but you know, he took 90% of the game off, you know, not tracking back. This was a, he was involved and, a contributor in, in a way that maybe we haven't seen that kind of complete performance before. Yeah. I mean, he certainly looked up for it. Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, for me, we, we've talked about him as uh, you know, Brandon thinks he's a luxury player. I think he's a situational player. Spurs didn't press him. And if you don't press him, you're taking your life into your hands. I mean, like the games where he has really struggled, you think about, you know, his overall performance against Brighton was shocking. Uh, I know he got the goal and like that is a deodorant for some stuff, but when he's pressed in England, he's really struggled. And so it was Jorginho. So it was, you know, we have a a handful of players who, when they're pressed, it's just, it ain't good. Um, They sat off of him. 
I mean, we, we've talked about this. You know, Sessignon has no business being a left back. I mean, in, in, come on, in the Premier League, please. But if you give him time and space, if you let him kind of wander around the edge of the box, I mean, it is just like, okay, I, got, I mean, he still has a left foot. I mean, we've talked about his left foot before, about how dangerous it is. Um, and, you know, I think let's let's pause on the goal for a second because we'll, we'll wax poetic about that. But I agree with you. I mean, he did put in a shift. He was running hard, Brandon. He, you know, did, uh, you know, have a decent tackle rate, as, as we can see on the stats. And, uh, you know, I think in general, beyond the goal, which helped this, but I think showed a kind of fuck you attitude that this team needed. You know, because Spurs are not as good as us. They're just not. I mean, we have the stats to prove it. You got to go into those games with kind of like a get off me. Like, go go away. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just going to beat you up and down. And that's just the way it's going to go. So I appreciated that about him today. Much better attitude. So the stats from at Statman Dave are for Mr. Ziyech. 96 touches, 10 out of his 15 duels won, 10 ball recoveries, 5 shots, 4 on target, won four of his six tackles. He drew three fouls. He attempted three take-ons, completed two of them. He created two chances and had one wonder goal. Look, I tease. Uh, he's not great at tackling, but he gave it his best, and he disrupted play many times, as we see here. Um, and I think the fact that... I don't know if it's the positioning. I don't know if it was kind of the way Spurs set off him, but for whatever reason, it did click for him today, right? Um we are able, you know, he pretty much has heels on the uh, the the, the sideline, uh, creating a lot of width, a lot of space. We know mm-hmm. we can do with that left foot when he does have time and space. Um, so it's interesting. Tuchel's trying. Tuchel must see something in him because pre-match, I think a lot of people are saying, what has Ziyech done to deserve another start, more minutes? That was a very common thing on Twitter. It It was. It was, but it's also like... If none of your front seven are scoring and he's the one who's scored, like you kind of have to play him. Like well, that was the counter argument. It was like, well, we, we, and we've talked about it that let's maybe just try to throw some players together and keep them the same and try to gel something. And you know, as much as you might have favorites or wonder, like, well, why didn't Timo get a shot today or why didn't Kai get a shot today? Tuchel also needs to build a little bit of the chemistry required to see out some of these results right we have an fa cup which will probably be pretty you know reconfigured in terms of the players that get a chance maybe even uh you know some youngsters getting another opportunity to throw some minutes in there but then you've got a club world cup coming up which i'm sure Tuchel would like to win Tuchel would like to help bring back the only trophy chelsea doesn't have to the club so Roll a hot hand and try to build something that we can carry forward into the uh, March plus timeline. Correct. So again, you know, you know, Tuchel for you know sees something. He sees an opportunity because again, he's he seems doing a lot to try to get stuff out of Ziyech. Maybe it was just the way that he thought Tottenham was set up. I mean, there's a lot of different things, um, but moving the four one four and definitely benefited him. Did it benefit other people? I think Kovacic looked well, good in the system. Thought Mount looked lively. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Callum was hot and cold, but he was finding some opportunities, obviously being a nightmare for Tanganga. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Lukaku's probably that little missing piece that that didn't get his goal in the day. Um, but overall, 
you know, uh, the numbers and I think the eye test, um, he passed both for, for Ziyech, which was obviously super, super exciting for him. Um, consistency, you know, we'll see. We play Plymouth Argyle. There's going to be some disruption to that lineup, to that attack. Surely you're going to, to dance point, see heavy rotation for that one. Um, but again, good to get this one before we have a mini break in the Premier League, which about damn time, if I may say so myself. Uh, anything you guys want to talk touch on with uh, the attack right in there? Like I said, uh, obviously the we're, goal the goal yes. was absolutely stunning. I mean, it like there is such little room between the crossbar and the post where the ball flew between. I mean, like I I don't I don't know if if he could ever do that that well again. It's one of those types of goals. It's kind of like the Kovacic thing from Liverpool a couple weeks ago. Like it was just so pristine um, that when it went in, it took me a few seconds to reckon, like to realize it. It was like that good. I was just like, what? That couldn't have happened. And it did. Uh, it really did happen. Absolutely outstanding moment. I think it's our goal of the season right now. More so than the Kovacic one. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think oh. it's a, I think it's a better goal. It's a much better goal. Oh, Kovacic was midair though. It wasn't even on the ground. Yeah, which makes me think that it was kind of a hit and hope, less than the. It doesn't it? Doesn't matter. I'm giving. I'm giving. It ZS, went in. I'm giving ZS the style points. I mean, I think it is right. an absolutely beautifully finessed, wonderful technique type of goal. Uh, good to see Mason continuing to lead the team in uh, combined goal contributions with his assists as well to uh, one Tiago Silva. That was uh, quite a delicious uh, cross that he he sit into the box. Yeah, and I, I will say this too. Mason had a few really nice passes in the final third today that were not uh, capitalized on, but I'm old enough to remember uh, when uh, – <laughs> When the conversation around Mason Mount was doesn't do enough for us in the final third, really works hard, but can't he's not really a Premier League player in the final third. And all he's gone on to do is have a ridiculous amount of form uh, for Chelsea. And, you know, I think it's just, again, 30 games a season, seven goals, seven assists, right? So we're 14 goal contributions so far. With a little more than half, you know, whatever, 55% of the season gone, roughly. Uh, that is a good trend line. And I'm, I don't know. I, I think for those who doubted him, that is a, a mistake. Uh, 20th assist for Chelsea since he came here. He, he'll so. hit he'll hit 20, 20 plus this year. Which is, I think, you know, just to be fair to him, no one else is going to hit 20 plus, most likely. Um, unless we get a shit ton of penalties and Jorginho <laughs> really starts to rip them. Uh, I don't think anyone else is going to have 20 plus. So, you know, his goals at the beginning of the season that we set for him because we're obviously his, uh, his coaches and mentors um, was to increase that, that goal assist threshold. And he has done exactly that this year. So there's like clear linear progress towards, I think, becoming a world-class player. One better than the entire 2019-20 season, 
which was 13 total across all competitions. And then last year, uh, in 54 matches and over 4,200 minutes, he had 17. So he needs three more uh, with 20-plus <laughs> matches uh, left this season. I think he'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. I think he'll do it. Knock on wood, because nothing in this attack is certain. Everyone knock on wood as you're listening to this that that he does it. But, I mean, realistically, if he does, Brandon, end up somewhere in the neighborhood 2025 goals and assists, that probably means that Chelsea are definitely driver's seat for top four and probably have won something else. Like Why not us? No, Dan. Stop it. You don't get a why not us in the Premier League anymore. Go away. Yeah, thankfully, uh, if you have Mason clicking like that and as involved as we saw he can be today, um, good things will come from that, you know. Uh, and that also means other people are scoring plenty of goals mm-hmm. off of that, which is 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 really important in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, look, you got League Cup final, mm-hmm. obviously still early stage of the FA Cup, uh, still in the Champions League. Um Top four, you know, at this point should be, uh, um, you know, something that we just kind of expect. Uh, but we we saw it get rattled right at the end of the season last year, so it's not something we want to take for granted with the with just the way it's going. Obviously, January about a week left in the transfer window. We'll see if the club do make some changes or not. So, can can I make a point about Cal really quick? Yeah. Uh, up and down for me. I I mean, uh, on the one hand, you saw him not have a ton of ideas, not have a ton of like, like didn't feel like he was empowered to go forward, even though a lot of times he received the ball in acres of space or was getting fouled by Tanganga. Uh, and then, and then you saw the, the frustrating part of him, which was on the, uh, on the ZS goal plays, it has a lovely bit of skill along the, along the sideline there to get free of Tanganga to give himself space, to make the correct pass. And then obviously, you know, that's the easiest assist he'll ever have, right? Um, not a whole lot of work for that one uh, from just a pure passing perspective, but he did do a lot of work to get free there. And it just, like, it makes you wonder what's going on with him a, a little bit because I don't think he's played well since October, if I'm, like, brutally honest about it. And I know that he's a lot of people's favorite choice for that role, and fair enough. But... He needs to do more. He needs to be more creative than he is. And he certainly needs to score more goals than he has this year. I think he has one in the league. So I like it is is kind of a curious case of Callum Hudson Odoi because he's not at times he's brilliant. At times you don't know where where he's heading. Uh, And it's I don't know. To me, that's just odd. Dan, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I think he grew into the game. I think he got better in his combos, particularly with Kovacic, uh, especially when they were trying to figure out a way to stop uh, Ziyech and Mason and were still struggling, but good good on them for attempting to do something. Um, you know, the, the, the shot thing is just interesting. Uh, you know, I think he needs to find a shot. I, I actually think Lukaku you know, really missed that chance and probably should have taken it versus laying it off to Callum and then got upset that Callum didn't hit back to him. Like, I mean, you're the one who knocked it off. So like, why are you bad? Um, but yeah, I, I think seemingly is offering more in advancing the ball, kind of some of the take-ons that he's capable of offering, kind of keeping 
the ball circulated, keeping possession of it, which is, I think, the one thing that maybe some of the other options don't have is that at least Callum retains the ball extremely well. So, like, he's not usually giving it up in a dangerous position. He can get it back to someone, and we can kind of keep possession, which, again, is something Tuchel likes. So I think that's where he is offering something. But I think to that point, Brandon, it's just about continuing to involve his game, continuing to find himself in a spot to take shots and convert shots too. Yeah, the having the ball eight yards out and not finding a way to get a shot off and just standing there, obvious, right? I think he will know that too. I mean, I would have loved to see him faint right and just smash it with his left and see what happens. I mean, from that close, we've seen Pulisic actually do that a couple times. Um, but, you know, one of the bright spots was definitely the assist on the goal, right? I mean, absolutely torching Tanganga, uh, driving at space, uh, and you know, and that's where he's at his best. So, um, yeah, mixed performance, but I think that it was a net positive for him, right? I mean, the things we're asking for are things that would make him probably a starter week in, week out if he were doing those things, and that's what kind of the will is for him to get to a level like that if he can. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's not just him. Like, I've said this multiple times this year. Our, our whole front seven's been misfiring outside of Mason. So, actually, six of our seven have been misfiring, right? So, uh, you know, this is not just a pure criticism of Calum Hudson-Odoi. Obviously, a lot of people need to do a hell of a lot more than they have been. But it is just curious in the box, I think, is where he's struggling the most to make really good decisions. And he's doing the thing where he's just trying to get onto his right foot. And then the angle's never there for him because people know how to defend him now. So he needs to come up with something different um, is, is kind of the point. I, I like what you said about like what pool six kind of done. If they aren't showing you on your right cut to your left, maybe make a great pass inside and, and you know, you're going to be a hero either way. So that's, that's kind of the, the broader point there. Yeah. Sorry to go off on a tangent. You're good. Uh, that just means you don't have time to talk about the defense. So anyways, uh, no, Stop absolutely it. Stop not. It. Look, you got Malang Sar, Tiago Silva and the stout defense, obviously Aspie getting involved in the shithousery Rudiger being oh, yes, Rudiger or, or being the victim of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, look, also that. you got you got to get involved, all right, to to have a chance. So, anyways, um, pour yourself a pint. Keppa's clean sheets, my man's. All right, he's come in, done a job. Kudos to him. Uh, big save off the header towards the end. Uh, thankfully, didn't have to do it too a whole lot. Um, you know, like I said, a couple matches ago, we're like, yeah, not his best game. Didn't have a lot of confidence. Came back, played with more confidence, uh, and did well today. So, I think just. Overall, uh, a trusted backup to uh, an absolutely amazing Edouard Mendy. But the fact that uh, Keppa isn't the talking point every other week like it was uh, when it was just him as the number one, uh, I think speaks volumes to him and the club for how they've managed him. And really, I, you, I can't understate this enough, resurrected his career in England. It was gone. He has been like, look, obviously thoughts about the last couple of goals that he's considered, but there were only two, right? I mean, the, you know, the, the Bentinelli thing, uh, in the FA cup was also hilarious, but like, again, you, you think about the way he played against Spurs in, in, you know, the, the league cup. And you think about, you know, the types of goals that have been scored against him, you know, these are not dribblers through his legs. I think he's, he's really stepped up in this time and, and should be really proud of his effort. And, also gives, I think he gives himself life to continue in the FA Cup to, you know, certainly play in the Club World Cup to be a cup hero still and maybe 
have three where he's been the starting goalkeeper, um, which is a would be a really great thing for him. And I think the attitude is different, right? When he came to Chelsea, he was kind of immature for me. And I think his attitude being around more seasoned veterans, having Thiago Silva in front of him, you know, all this stuff has made a huge difference, Dan. And I think, you know, everyone should just be giving him uh, love right now because it's not an easy job that he's been asked to do. Well, again, when you're standing in for world's best goalkeeper, Edward right. Mendy. But apparently not good enough to be in the team of the season. Again, tell me how that fucking works. Damn. I have no idea. Stupid. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely cool stupid. But when you have to stand in for world's best Edouard Mendy, <laughs> it is always going to be a challenge. And Kepa has risen to the occasion and has been a wonderful contributor. I do think the benefit of having uh, a, a individual like Rudiger or Silva in front of him uh, has certainly helped as well, is that the defense has continued to level up too. It's not just maybe poor defenders having to be bailed out by a goalkeeper is that there's actually a good partnership that has existed in the back and credit to Sar for continuing to come in and get a job done, which is probably the coolest thing. Like we, we talked about him in the previous matches saying like, Hey, London Derby doing some great work. Keep yep. it up. Came in as a free transfer. Uh, not maybe as, <laughs> I mean, not rivaling the quality of the free transfer that is Thiago Silva, but in terms of a free We've really lucked out and, and like hit on two of them because he has you know, locked down Kane. I mean, Kane, outside of the shove into the back moment, really had no sniff on goal the majority of the game, which is a credit to Saar. Uh, his tackling timing has improved. He's been a much better judge of when to go in, which has been mm-hmm. great and made a couple of really decisive ones. And had that phenomenal header as well late into the match where the defensive header he's just he's showing up when called upon Brandon and I think that's a, a credit to Tuchel for the trust he's put into him and the coaching he's provided credit to Saar for stepping up and then also the rest of the defense for giving him an opportunity to be successful well and a great opportunity to shout out uh the Tinkerman podcast because Yaz talked uh specifically about Saar for quite a bit and the fact that he's played three different positions um, and he was very raw coming into the team this season. Um, so for him to be performing, like I says, I do, I think he's matured very fast this season. And I think the timing of his tackling is the biggest thing. Used to get clumsy yellow cards. Uh, he's cleaned that up a lot. Uh, his passing is still inconsistent, but much more confident when he hits the passes. Uh, and so I think that uh, we've done a, a really good job of, of having him uh, exercise we lost Zuma at the beginning of the season and added Sar. How do you compare Zuma to Sar? Do you think he's better? Different. Correct. I mean, much, much different. And I think the thing that I would give Sar a lot of credit for is he's been asked to play two or three different positions, depending on how you look at the formation, right? Um, you know, he's, he's been he's been asked to play in the middle uh, against Chesterfield. He's been asked to play left back today, and he's typically like the Rudiger breaking case of emergency option, right? When Rudiger's hurt or tired or whatever. And I think in a left back situation, and I know this is going to sound crazy and a very small sample size, if you're going to play that back four, I like him there. I, I like him there more than Alonzo because his tendency is to not go forward. 
his tendency is to lock up. And I think part of the reason you saw the clean sheet today again is because there wasn't a ton of adventure, but all that gave was a lot of room for Cal to make decisions on his own without having the overlap to consider. And I like that. I, I would much rather have him back there ready for the counterattack. And, you know, he's also pretty quick. I mean, you got to give him credit for, for his physical attributes as well, but he, he just looked like he was uh, secure with his decision-making, and, and that was good. Yeah, re- really good reading of the game, really great recoveries, uh, reading, movement of the ball well. I mean, all things that you want to see from someone in the defense. And, look, if you have someone where you, you think maybe that right-sided attacker on a team is going to be a little bit more challenging to deal with, Maybe this is an option we bring back in. I think it also shows that uh, Rudiger is probably worth uh, continuing to drive up his price because, oh, not only is he good in a back three, but in a back four and as a, a different center back about <laughs> Silva. Like, it's just, it's really nice to see all of these positive contributions, Brandon. But I think the one we also want to talk about is uh, Otiago Silva. Or Tiago Button, as you write in here. Uh, only player to score home and away against Spurs. Or only defender, maybe. There was a stat floating around out there. Someone will have it. But either way, uh, cue the Bell Silva, we hate Tottenham video. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Statman Dave breaking it down for Tiago Silva, saying 100% aerial duels won, 96% pass accuracy, 77 touches. Again, that was about 20 less than uh, Ziyech. Six out of his nine duels won. He Four ball recoveries, four attempted long balls. Three of them successful. He had three shots and a goal. Obviously, had his caution, uh, but a phenom at both ends. And um, again, he has scored now for the second time this season against Tottenham. And you got to love only, it. The only defender in the Premier League, I think the history of the Premier League, to score home and away against one opponent. There it is. Yeah. And it just happens to be Tottenham, which makes it even better. <laughs> a delight. I mean, it's a, it's a P. And Could you love like, him anymore? Like I, I love him, and I don't care who knows it. I am. He tweeted that actually. Uh, I did, <laughs> and it got a lot of love. Um, look, I Dan, I think that uh, there have been bad vibes this season for a thousand different reasons, and there will. It looks like there's going to be more still. This guy is a bright light in a dark forest to me. Like he, he is not only super committed, not only says and does the right things, not only is constantly available for selection, but in big games, he is a big, big player. And I know we were there in Porto and we're, we were, we were really, really heartbroken to see him brought off so early in that game. Uh, but again, I think he's just one of those guys that if you're, you know, if, if next year as he turns 38 years old, you're only, he's only able to play one game a week or whatever, uh, just put him in against the big ones because you know he's going to do what he did today. As as the fellow uh, 37-year-old, uh, <laughs> he makes me feel 20 years older watching him play like this. Uh, I, I don't know how you can't be overjoyed seeing him yeah. wear the Chelsea shirt and don the Chelsea badge and the way that he's respected it. It is uh, nothing short of likely will go down potentially as the, the best free transfer. Like if it continues on this route, the way he's been in our defense, the way he's impacted it, it's it, night and day. And um, yeah, the, I mean, he's a the culture fans. player. Like the culture alone. And like we <sighs> talk about like a locker room and a dressing room that potentially doesn't back the manager, doesn't buy in, 
complains. You know, there, there were periods of time where he he didn't start, right? And he was available. And so, I mean, he is someone who is adding to that and hopefully building something that as we bring in more young players, as we bring in players to the squad, Brandon, who are not, you know, Chelsea born and bred or have the Chelsea DNA, that he's injecting some of this just, you know, alpha mentality. I think, Nick, you're about to jump in again. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the fans at the end of the match when yeah. he was going. I mean, oh, Tiago Silva yep. was like ringing around Stanford. I mean, it was so beautiful that moment. Yeah. No, absolutely. He's he's definitely fully immersed himself. You know, you talk about some players being mercenaries. He's clearly not it. Like something has clicked so deep for him. I don't know if it's because of how poorly PSG treated him at the end of his contract and and how excited Chelsea were to bring him in and, and whatever, but it is clicked for everyone, which is a dream come true. Uh, we do want to talk about the refereeing because obviously Paul Tierney was his maybe worse than usual terrible self. Uh, Mr. George Smiley, 1905, tweeted, a hundred billion pound sport officiated by part-timers. And this is true. A lot of officials are part-timers. Uh, a lot of officials still make far under a hundred thousand pounds for refereeing at the highest level. Um, the rugby tackle on Absi Aspi in the box, right? Uh, the no foul and the SAR tackle right away. Um, the fact, you know, that um, uh, whoever their right back is from Wolves, um, he never even got a caution. Oh, Do Doherty. Yeah, Doherty yeah. never even got a caution the entire match. And, you know, it was, it was catching Shocking. Callum in the face and it was, you know, the tackle on SAR, whatever. And again, the fact that we had one caution there too. And I think some of the biggest bullshit that really drove me up a wall, Nick, was like the fact that all this stuff's coming out about how he mishandled the Rudiger situation when uh, not Tottenham supporters, right, but just absolute assholes uh, were throwing lighters or vape pens, whatever the hell it was, at Rudiger. And Tierney essentially gave him a scolding for not to goad them and to stand outside the box so they can't hit you. That That's where we're at. We're, we're now at saying it's your fault. You are not the victim. You should stand further away so they can't hit you. Overall, completely just shocking state of affairs. Like, thank you for getting the VAR, soft VAR call right. But, like, at the end of the day, uh, just so many layups and just basic things are being missed. And everyone's yelling about it. It's not just us. No, no. I mean, it, it feels like every week it gets worse. I mean, there, there were a number of incidents yesterday in the Premier League. There was a, a, a incident earlier today in the Liverpool match that was bad. I mean, it was – this was horrible again i mean it's it's just it's really really basic shit like if you really want to boil it down and like i am open to solutions like if whatever the case is do we need to pay him more money do we need to bring in uh, you know the best officials from around the world do we need to rethink var which of course you absolutely do do you need to do all this stuff and you know the point is there's so much money available there's so much money invested in this that to have these amateur hour mistakes happening week in and week out that affect results, that affect teams standing, that affect teams, whether they go up or down or or all this stuff, it's just it, it's just unacceptable. And I'm I, I am a human. I make errors all the time. Right. Uh, I don't in my in my normal work have a piece of technology and a group of people supporting me to get wrong decisions. Right. I kind of have to do that by myself. And uh, I think. Part of that is is just you know personal accountability. Like th these refs, Dan, are not good enough for the type of game that we are wanting to watch. Well, after we finish 
recording this podcast, I think one or two of us, uh, not all three of us, will probably watch some of the remaining NFL playoffs this week. Name weekend. names, Dan. And, Name names. Uh, Brandon Busby probably will not watch the rest of the playoffs. Truth. But when officials get it wrong, uh, particularly the playoffs, let's say I think in the regular season, they just get rotated around. Um, if you do a bad job, you don't get to referee or officiate the big matches. They pull you or your crew or individuals out of rotation. They make public apologies to teams when they get it wrong. Like there's a lot that could be done to overhaul this system, but there is seemingly no desire to do so. And I think it's a detriment to the sport. It's, you know, I'm surprised that the clubs are not more up in arms about it and trying to force through change in opinion. But as we know, you need 14 <laughs> clubs to agree to it. And there are probably some who are perfectly fine with the, the standard of operations as they are today. But it just it, it does have to get better. And there's a lot of things you could do. Everything to you know post-match re-review, to pulling people off, to promoting kind of the, the brightest, to importing talent. There's a a lot of solutions. Whether they'll be considered is probably unlikely. Oh, 100%. I mean, you get fined mm-hmm. for bringing the game into disrepute because, you know, someone had a, a shocker and you can't say it. Like, I'll leave it at this point. You know, if you want to be the best league in the world, you better go get the best referees in the world available. Uh, you know, at one point, I'm sure the English Premier League was only full of Englishmen. And then they slowly added some, you know, people from the island, you know, the, the countries from on the same island in Ireland and Scotland. And then it grew and grew. And now the Premier League is known for having the best players in the world. Um, the referees are nowhere close. We're at fucking JV level mockery right now. I'm watching the the rugby tackle again right now. Not even a check. Skip didn't even have his head up. Not even a check. I mean, he's he. It's a great form tackle. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he really he really did a great job of wrapping up. Uh, but I mean, it, it just again, it's it's so maddeningly inconsistent. Some of the same fouls. The Chelsea players were 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 given uh, fouls for today. Were not the same fouls the Spurs were. It just, I don't know, man. And I know it's never going to be perfect, but I would I would take a solid 85%. And right now it feels like it's 65%. So how do you close that gap? I don't know. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the Dan of the match. We got to run it. Felt good. I bet, Dan, um, how to Great. how to shake out. Well, uh, no surprise, Hakim Ziyech with uh, a stunning 92% of the total. Mason Mount with 5%. Saar with 2%. I threw in an other because I really was torn on the Callum and Silva end of it. And th- that wrapped up with 2, 2% too for others. So It's probably because you forgot to close parenthesis, so people were a little confused. Uh, <laughs> runaway ball with Ziyech, and, and understandably so. Um, you know, I... I'm surprised Silva's not on there, you know, but, you know, Kepa's not on there. I get it. You're limited with your options. You don't consult us. This is literally a runaway thing that you do, and and that's fine. You know, we, we all have our roles on the team. Uh, so some of the fixtures from the weekend, um, it, it's weird, right? It's it's a double, double game week, but it's kind of not. I, I don't know what happened, but uh, Norwich. Let, let me read this out loud. Three, Watford nil. 
All right, so Norwich uh, confusing the Premier League table with a with an emphatic win. Obviously, Watford getting the red card to Dennis. Uh, Villa beating a pathetic Everton, who are managerless with caretaker there, one nothing. Uh, Wolves beating Brentford two one. Leeds losing to Newcastle one nothing. Uh, Leeds are pretty bad. Damn in it, that Leeds. One. Yeah, Mandy, Damn Man United it. with a uh, controversial winner one nothing. Left it late there over West Ham. Uh, Southampton drawing Man City, which is essentially a win for anyone. Anytime you take points off City, you you celebrate that one. They are they're City's bogey team, by the way. Just just kind of like Brighton are for us. I mean, they are they are really they give City a hard time every time they play. Hey, Broja was two offsides away from having a uh, brace and putting that God, one he looks out of good. Sight. Oh, he looks he good. He missed the near the, he, the close range header. He pro- and honestly he missed it because he's probably worried he's going to smash his face into the post. He was close to the junior. <laughs> yeah, he he looks like he's got the uh, he's got the shit house gene in him. Looks like he has a little bit of the sauce to him. Love that it. guy. Uh, Crystal Palace getting routed by Liverpool 3-1, which we talked about a bit of a ghost pen, but who knows if it was really going to make a difference. Uh, Burnley holding Arsenal scoreless. Uh, so nil-nil there. And then Leicester City, Brighton 1-1 before our match. So, um, yeah, plenty plenty more to come. I think they have a lot of more makeup games. Obviously, we'll be in the FA Cup next that we talked about. So table as it stands, Man City still at the top. Uh, 23 matches played, 57 points, plus 41 goal difference. Liverpool in second on 22 played, 48 points, plus 39 goal difference. And then Chelsea in third with 24 played the most out of the top three on 47 points and a plus 30 goal difference. Uh, United somehow holding on in fourth, 22 played on 38 points. So honestly, I'd say like this was a critical three points to get, right? We've been slipping. We've been sliding. You know, we've, we've only picked up three points out of our last four uh we just doubled that and another one so i in that point you know we're only one point below liverpool although they have two in hand but this keeps us very much separated from kind of the the chasing pack which is good because you got united in four west ham five arsenal six spurs seven uh bottom of the table huge huge shakeups right here right norwich in 17th newcastle in 18th watford 19th burnley 20th and honestly dan i've seen quite a few tweets and quite a few comments i think the people have spoken and burnley need to get the hell out of here everyone's over it look here's here's the real scenario if uh if they don't play x number of games <laughs> by a certain point they should just get auto relegated that that is like they should just forfeit and go they down. played 18 we played 24 that's six match differential we've played six couldn't happen to matches. a better team relegation could not happen <laughs> yeah. to a better team oh yeah, I, man I, they, they are there's and again they went out and played an okay match against arsenal today gee i wonder why like it's it's comical it's comical and arsenal haven't played the full bottom matches either no. which is you know at some point it's gonna really hurt them but everton getting dragged in to like even a consideration for relegation also kind of crazy too like they probably have trouble. enough individual quality to make it across the line but if newcastle continues to strengthen like as much as i want them to go down they'll They'll probably figure it out. They've kind of corrected at least into draws and wins. Watford looked pretty destined to go down yeah. along with Burnley. So now it's really who's going to be in 18th. And, I mean, look, Norwich got two wins on the bounce, so good for them. Well, it sounds like Ranieri's probably going to get the sack, which should be they're under the third manager of the season. So 
Because why not? Good luck with that, Watford. Seems to be doing well. They, they tried the Chelsea approach of firing managers or replacing them. It does not work for you without the Turns out reserves. you're just bad. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Look, I think Brentford, Leeds, Everton, Norwich uh, are all in that relegation scrap with Newcastle, uh, Watford, and Burnley. New, uh, relegation scrap. Uh, forgetting letters here. So, Yeah, there uh, there's some really bad teams in the league. <laughs> I will say that. Uh, there is a, a rumor that Christian Eriksen might be going to Brentford, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, obviously hope that he is like healthy, first of all, like that he's, you know, kind of recovered from that horrible incident this summer. But like, what an interesting signing for them. Like that could be a really like top tier signing for that club after everything they're doing. Like he'd probably take very- whatever for wages, but he can't play in Italy because he has a pacemaker. For safe health reasons, but apparently he can play in England because he went back to Denmark to train where it was he was le- it was eligible to play. So that's a whole different tangent we're not going to get into, but just throwing that out there for everyone to be aware of when we talk about morals and ethics and safety. So, um, all right, well, that's going to wrap us up. That is our Tottenham match review. Again, more content. We got the Chelsea women. Uh, we got the Tinkerman. Uh, we got Matt Law. So more and more coming at you. Plymouth Argyle at the week, but hey. Take a couple days off like Tuchel's giving the players, right? Rest up and relax, right? Listen to the pods, hang out, maybe go to Twitter, poke the bear a little bit. It's fun, you know? Just don't do anything you'd regret. So more content coming from us as always. Hope you enjoyed it. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.